Thanks to the Diamond Tanner Podcast Network, this is more Fired Up! And we are more fired up on the Diamond Tina Podcast Network. Chris Gale here with Dennis Carnahan. I don't know how to say this, Dennis, but Stephen Ferris has declined the opportunity to join us. I know, I'm devastated. I'm, I, what I'm most sad about is I saw, I saw Stephen on Friday morning on Fire Up. And on New Fire Up, sorry. Thank you, New Fire Up, 9.20am all through the NRL season on FBI 94.5 FM on your radio dial. You can also podcast it. You can also... Uh, on this podcast. You, you can indeed. Um, but I, I saw him then. Then I saw him on Friday night at ANZ State. At, uh, was it? No, it was SCG on Friday night. The old I, girl. The old girl. Saw him at the old girl uh, sitting in Rose's chair, which is a bit disconcerting because <laughs> Rose always has a bag of lollies. But he's sitting in that chair. Rose has those watermelon lollies. Oh, how have, good are they? Very, very... T- they seem to be a little bit hard to obtain at the moment. Yes, yeah, because he's bought them all. That's right. <laughs> no one else has access to uh, them. And, and the whole Rose fair DJ thing. It's a very touchy subject, so you know. Oh, is know. it? I think so. Interesting. Well, then, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Stephen, you need to start bringing some watermelon. Do, do you know do, the big point of difference was when uh, Stephen played? I think it's written in written in the stone as the first bit of music at the Origin game out at ANZ, and uh, there's been a real debate about that particular tune selection. I happen to love it, and it used to be, <laughs> I believe, the introduction music for Monday Night Football in the NFL. Ooh. Yeah, so he was channeling a little bit of history there, but some of the other DJs were challenged by the fact that it wasn't, you know, Metallica or something. So some of the DJs who might have had bushy red beards, I'm, they challenged? I'm not, I'm not identifying anyone by name. <laughs> Nor am I. But yeah, then I saw him again on Saturday night. Where was Saturday night? It's, it's been a whirlwind. Brookie. So, Brookvale. AKA Lotto Land. At Brookvale. Uh, I, I, despite my ABC links, I just can't say Lotto Land. It's ridiculous. It's Brookvale. It is 100% Brookvale Oval. And I'm sorry to the manly sponsors, but that's what it is. And it was a great night out there. It was, um, I think they claim, that everyone claims a sellout. Yeah, though I heard there were a thousand tickets still available. Yeah, but then they would have pulled them off and said, no, 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 it's a sellout. Um, it wasn't a record crowd, mainly because of RHS these days. Doesn't you can't just pack people in, but it was Stephen. I still can't believe the North Shore boy who's now living in the east. Uh, I can't believe he he'd never been to Brookvale before. Seems un-Australian, doesn't it? Very un-Australian, and he loved it. Absolutely loved it. Got was getting photos in front of the cage, getting photos in front of the uh, asbestos hill. Um, loved being out in the open air. There was a stink in front of him, and he was up cheering him on. He is well known to be a hypochondriac. So do you think that he's uh, actually booked himself in this morning for a battery of tests to make sure that he hasn't been affected by the asbestos <laughs> riddle? Asbestosis, yep. Well, I mean, in the, in whatever, the DJ, would they have a no, box? It would be it open air, wouldn't it? It would be right. Air. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, he was separated from the great Steve Allen by just one piece of glass, but he was outside feeling the crowd. And uh, it was actually great because the crowd, it was a pretty happy crowd. And so they were dancing and clapping along, which made him feel even better. So he loved it. Then um, saw him again last night at Western Sydney Stadium. Bank West, for those of you who follow rugby league. Yeah, well, you see again, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point it out, it'll change its name in five years. It will. They always do. But right you now, about AMZ what, what's Telstra. the name of the stadium that they're rebuilding over at Moore Park? Footy Stadium. Everyone calls it Allianz. No, they don't. Yes, they do. It's the footy stadium. Yeah. Well, do you know what it was called when it was opened in 1988? Uh, I'm going to say the Sydney Football Stadium. Yeah, 
Yes, that's SFS. what it's called. It was the footy stadium, and it's still the footy stadium. It's always going to be the footy stadium. Do what's you, next door to it? Do you retain? What's next door to it? Do you retain? Uh, what's next door to the it? The Sydney Cricket Ground. And what do they do there? They play. They play what do they do at the footy stadium? <laughs> you play footy. What do you do at Allianz Stadium? You buy insurance. No, no, no. It's a footy stadium. Do the naming rights persist when you've brought in the nibbler and you've actually torn the stadium down? <laughs> Do you actually have the naming rights on the excavated hole? Mm. I think it's the the the, um, the Berejiklian hole, I think they call it. It's just the Berejiklian... Oh, it's not quite the right word. The yes, Berejiklian like, monument? Morass? Legacy? Monument? Legacy. Yeah, legacy. Well, she may not last with the way things are going in state parliament at the moment. Gosh. Uh, I, I actually... I just can't remember. I didn't immediately, see her at Lotto Land. I, I can't immediately <laughs> place this, but uh, I was talking to someone who's familiar with the Townsville situation. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. dairy farmers into 1300 Smiles, and then we were musing a couple of weeks ago, it's now Willows, and who's Willows and what do they do? It, Willows is like, you know, like, you know, Fraser Park or something like that. It was its original name. Oh, that's it's, wonderful. It's Willows Oval again. It's gone back to its roots. That's great. How good is that? That's fantastic. That's how it should be. So anyway, I was at Western Sydney Stadium <laughs> and saw him out there in front of, again, an alleged sellout. But the, No, there were lots it, of those grey seats. I could Personally, see as, a, as an artiste, if, if I'm told there's a sellout and I see empty seats, I think, has someone not turned up? Because normally, maybe it was a sellout and people didn't turn up. Maybe that was the Broncos fans. <laughs> Just, oh, you know what, maybe some Roosters fans bought some tickets. The Broncos fans read the writing on the wall and said, I'm not going to come and witness this massacre. Yeah, yeah. And and should we go into that game? Well, let's go straight into it. And that's, that's, that that's a good good way to start because uh, maybe when we get back to Thursday night, we might even uh, just bring Redfern Pat in on the mic to talk about the pain, the agony, the desperation. It was Friday. Uh, Friday night, sorry. Sorry, I'm not quite in the rhythm. Because I watched surprisingly little of the semifinals what this weekend. I had other obligations. Did you? Yeah, social obligations. You didn't have any interest in them? Uh, no, I have keen interest. I love semi-final football, and I was certainly out there on Friday night as well. But that's... I was thinking more—you well, didn't have any, like you didn't have uh, any skin in the game, so to speak. With the um... that's that's essentially why I think Ferris is not here. He's like you know he's just packed up his marbles, and I'm not <laughs> in the playoffs. So I don't care he's, anymore. He's gone to Bali. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, right now he's well he's the... at the Harbourview Hotel, up on the table, naked, waiting for Sweet Caroline to come on. It was it was written in the paper yesterday that the Dragons sort of. Uh, reinvented the whole situation and had a mad Sunday in the sense that they just went out for lunch together. Yeah. And I, don't, I wouldn't call that mad Sunday. I'd just simply call that sad Sunday. <laughs> so Ferris is pretty sad. But you were at Bank West where uh, really one-way traffic. One-way traffic. Well, it, it, like all the, um, all the cliches didn't turn up, didn't get off the bus, didn't get on the plane or whatever. The, the Broncos were not there. They just they weren't there. It was... Um, and it's wonderful seeing all these Parramatta people just going so excited. Oh, look at us. We've, we've put 68, 58 on them. And, you know, Moses has missed 10 kicks, so it should have been 68. It should have been huge. Which would have been funny because 68 nil. Whenever I hear 68 nil, all I ever think about 68 nil Parramatta last game of the 1993 season. That's what the Raiders put on Parramatta. Is that right? It is. Yeah. It is, of course, the game where Ricky Stewart broke his leg three minutes from the end. And cost you what was uh, the consensus of another premiership. You, cost you us a premiership. That dependent on Ricky Stewart. That dependent. Well, it's, it's, it's not that we were that dependent. It's just that it was a finely tuned machine. Isn't the belief that, of course, that is the last time that anyone's gone back-to-back Hello Sydney Roosters when the Broncos went 92-93? Yeah, and the previous time to that yeah. was Raiders 89-90. Thank you. And... 
was the consensus that the Dragons were a fair shot in 93 and that, and of course they lost in the grand final of the Broncos, but that the Raiders may well have been able to do it, do you think? Oh, the Raiders would have smashed them. The Raiders that year was so dominant. I think, I, I don't know whether that was salary capping or what they were doing, but the Raiders were a, they were smashing all the teams and it wasn't like they had to, you know, struggle, have Dow struggle against top four teams. They were belting top four teams. Far be for me to be critical of Tim Sheens because he took us to the promised land, but seriously, to have obviously oriented his team around one individual was a huge mistake because you couldn't cover it. Well, <laughs> once again, it, would, it wasn't so much that you oriented it, it was... I don't know. Maybe if, if any cog fell out of the machine, it might have been a problem. It was just but a blow. And, it and was basically the Australian. Like, right. It was an international team. And, and there's a lot of discussion that the 94 Raiders is the greatest club football to- team in history. And that must bring you some pleasure, mustn't it? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely bring a lot of pleasure. And, and, I'll be, and I'll be watching the Raiders, the, the 94 grand final at some point in the next couple of weeks. And a stark reminder, you haven't won the comp for 25 years. Yes. So, so Seabold, Seabold said that Either we do the job or we die. Now, is he speaking metaphorically or have the Broncos been taken out the back and... Well, to carry on the horse horse metaphor, put the blankets up. I I don't know. I didn't see any blankets go up. I was at Western Sydney Stadium quite late last night and I didn't see any blankets going up. Um, I did see a lot of Parramatta fans hanging around out the back of the stadium. What what time did I leave there? It was like two and a half hours... After the final whistle, why is that? They just hang around. It's crazy. They just, just hang around. It in. There. Oh, just to wait and see the last couple of players leave to cheer them on, and it's um, yeah, it's a strange thing that one. But and- uh, I think yeah, that that's the um, the Vince Lombardi thing. There's nothing wrong with losing, as long as your last thought as you lie dying on the battlefield is I gave it my all. Right. And that, of course, makes me think about Darius Boyd. Is that the last time we've seen him in the... What colour... I don't even know what to describe the Broncos' colours are. What, what are they? I don't know, puce. Um, Yellow? The colour of dead flesh and, and rotting infection. I don't know. But they... Uh, will it be the last time we saw Darius Boyd? I contend it was probably the previous week was the last time we saw Darius Boyd because I, I don't think I saw him yesterday. Uh, I know Anthony Milford put a couple of kicks up and the, I think the... Um, the big big pain was there. I think I think he turned up, but it just they were woeful. The press in the lead up to the game talked about how the boys got together for an honesty session after last year's wooden spoon, and they came up with a set of values. And like everybody else, they're working with you know life coaches and strategy coaches and whatever. And <laughs> there's a whole battery of them, and they came up with their set of values that they aspire to deliver as a team, and it's called the Matter Way. So we've heard of you know the South's way and. You know, all that oh, sort of... Boy. First of all, I can understand why they didn't name it the para way. But yes, the matter way. What do you think of that? Wow. How would you define the matter way? Um, the matter way would be get, hope the get, opposition get, are hopeless. Get a, <laughs> get a big Fijian winger. That'd be this. That, that, Is the yeah. Sevo chant real? I mean, people really are chanting Sevo, Sevo. Yeah, and it's spontaneous as well. That's... um. Yeah. Oh, the, it's not. It's not brought on by the ground announcer or the uh, or no. the, the alleged sweetened sound that they're pumping in crowd noise. In, it, who's alleging at Bank that? West. Well, it's funny. I, I was watching a game, a regular season game, a few weeks ago, and I said, "My God, the you know they keep talking about the acoustics and how great they are." And I've been to Bank West three times. Yes, in situ live to witness it, and I go, "Yeah, it sounds good, but it's it not deafening." On the television, it was coming across as deafening. And there was immediate allegations by, I think, 
the Karate Warrior, one of the people on Twitter that I uh, happen to observe, that it's actually augmented sound. In the same way that you remember Fox used to cut yes, away... augmented vision. Yeah, so they cut yep. away to uh, former games where there were more people yep. in the crowd. Yeah, and, and people are ringing up going, honestly, I am at work. I'm not, I'm, I'm not on my TV right now, but I am actually at work. Um, I don't think they do. And I think what it is, is probably sound technicians like myself just get so aroused by the noise coming through our microphones. We're just pushing the hell out of it. The other thing about it is when there's 20,000 20, people in there, so only two-thirds full, mm. Because of the acoustics, the crowd is so loud and the PA isn't ridiculously overbearingly loud because mm. normally on TV and on radio, um, the ground announcer, the dick will come in and go, oh, come on now. The guy at Penrith, what's his name? The guy from East Street, uh, Scotty McRae. All right. Scotty McRae. And it's so piercing and it just cuts into the effects mic. So you're constantly pulling the effects out because the ground announcer is loud in the crowd. And when you're talking, you don't want someone else talking on the radio you know, over the top. So they're pulling it out, whereas at Western Sydney Stadium, the crowd is so loud that the effects guys, the engineers are going, this is fantastic, and they're pumping it up. Right. Because the commentary booths are soundproof. Right. And it's, that's what makes it such a good stadium to mix in. So there's a couple of things here. First of all, we could probably do a whole sort of special feature on ground PAs because the noise at the old girl is ear-splittingly loud. The PA system. Yeah, whereas oh, a Leichhardt boy. is... Farrah, Master, you can't hear a thing. Like, it you is, literally cannot it's the hear same a thing. Brookvale, they have 1940s tannoys. Like, they've got the, the speakers that you'd have at, Shark at, Park at a as school. Well. Yeah, like a school fate. In fact, in Shark Park, aka Points Bet Stadium, as it should be called, the little tannoys are actually on poles in uh, down on the fence, actually yeah. impeding your line of vision. It's just a disgrace. Well, they, they do they do bring in extra speakers to try and do it, but yeah, it is pretty much. S- who did Scotty McRae play in East Street? Oh, boy. Oh. Well, why are you thinking of that? <laughs> oh, you, oh, I can't think. Oh, wow. So East Street, of course, was... There was Wheels. We, yeah, with Marcus Graham. There was Wheels. There was uh, uh, Dr. Rock. Uh, there was uh, Reverend Bob. Reverend Bob, uh, Dr. Rock, and, who was also Joey. And, of course, and, and, and Melissa Touts. Melissa Touts. Touts. But a couple of things. I've always got a lot of East Street trivia. First of all, East, East Street was actually Darling Street, Balmain. I know. Yes. So uh, in one year, the opening credits was a helicopter that would swoop over uh, Darling Street Did Wharf. Did it go past you? Were you there? My office and all the way up. <laughs> uh, the other show that relied on uh, Darling Street as its uh, geographic Patchett's, location. Bob Patchett. Patchett's Pub. Uh, oh, Patchett's Pub, of we course. We went to Patchett's Pub. This is, when East Street was on, I was in a band. We were touring up and down the East Coast, and we were based up in Byron Bay. And when we come to Sydney, we'd always go... <laughs> To Belmain just to go to the sites, and we're stank- we've got I've got so many photos of myself outside Patchett's pub wearing a blue singlet and stubbies. Well, the other show that relied on Darling Street as its geographic location was the uh, legendary Australian sit- sitcom My Name's Magooly, What's Yours, with Gordon <laughs> Chater and John Millian, and you you would see the vision going down Darling Street Hill to the wharf, and they'd always do a little epilogue on Darling Street Wharf fishing or something like that. Oh. Huge influence on me as a child, and I end up I remember going for my interview to my office, which was right on the bus turning circle at the end of Darling Street, uh, opposite Thornton Park, and going, I am on the set of My Name's Magooly and the rest is history. Uh, other interesting bits of East Street, the doctor's office, Ellie Fielding, they, yeah. the, the outside shot they used was of a doctor's office in Darling Street, just up on the top of the hill there, oh. when you first got left off the ferry. Ellie Fielding, of course, was played by the sadly uh, lost Penny Cook. Yep. 
And then towards the end of the run, Penny stepped out and Diane Craig, husband of uh, Gary McDonald's st- wife, wife, sorry, yep. Gary McDonald stepped into the role. And I always love when they they swap actors, right? Yeah. But here's a little bit trivia for you: in the Diane Craig run, the the plotline was uh, Ellie is absolutely fearing her school reunion, and. <laughs> I, I'm really not uh, looking forward to my school reunion because uh, of this. And I probably can't even name her in this context. But let's just say this uh, girl, Julie, is uh, going to be at the school reunion and I cannot stand Julie, right? And you get her full name. Let's say it's Julie Brown. Yeah. Now, my girlfriend at the time was called Julie Brown. And in fact, <laughs> she, had, she had been dragged along to one of those EST sessions. And which is, you know, those self-help things and they lock you up and they oh, sign you up. Oh, wow. Right? How and, 90s was that? Yes. And it was <laughs> and it was run by the producer of Easter. Forrest Redlich. Ah, well, there you named him. I didn't. And she absolutely gave him hell the whole session, right? This is a disgrace. You've got to let us out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> About six weeks later, I can't go to the school reunion. Julie Brown will be there. I hate Julie Brown. And of course, she's an absolute bitch. And it was just art taking revenge for what happened in real life. <laughs> Hello, Julie, if you're out there. E Street, what a great classic. Uh, that game was not a classic. Uh, Can Parramatta win the comp? No. Well, that's They're pretenders. That's the matter way. So uh. if we jump back to Saturday night and to Stephen Ferris's uh, breaking of his uh, Lotto Land virginity, yeah. what was your perspective on that game? It looked like an ambush to me. Yeah, it's an ambush. Oh, Pat's joining in. He's just patting the mic. It's Morse code. <laughs> um, Pat's going, get me out of here. <laughs> the, the ambush. Well, it, saying that, oh, you know, we've got no players left. Oh, Danny Cherry Evans, Adam Fenua Blake, uh, Travojevic. They, they still had Appy. One Travojevic. Only, only one. No to Powell. No uh, yeah, but, the, but the bookends they, of Sirinan and Thompson. But you look at what they still had, though. And they, 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 they guys like some guy called Seppel. There were a whole bunch of guys <laughs> I'd never heard of. <laughs> A couple of boys had never played before. Yeah, yeah it was some. Um, a couple, a couple of boys from the the the, the rats that were switched over. No, there wasn't quite that way. Um, but I think you know, again, the sharks, um, the sharks are just that mercurial team where Sean Johnson is either hot or not. Yeah, and he and, he, he wasn't, and he wasn't. Um, and they play that Desi Hazel just swarm the playmakers game. Which is what Manly do: swarm the playmakers, swarm the playmakers, cut them down, and and you know, they play desi ball, and um, doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of good players to do that. It takes you need discipline, you need grit and determination and bravery and courage and fortitude and all that. Um, desi puts that into them, and then you've got Cherry Evans, who's a, he's a master in that sort of situation. He loves when the chips are down; it means it's all on him. I think that plays into Cherry Evans. You know, everyone's against me. Everyone's against me. His, his interview was great because one thing that DC has realised is that he's really backed off his media commitments. Like yeah. that, that idea of making him a personality on Fox just didn't fly, right? Because no. and the timing was wrong. So now he's just like, you know, hunkering down, playing footy. Let let my footy do, do the, the talking. Do the talking. Yep. But he's interviewed after the game, and he goes, "Well, I dare say a rugby league player when they're told they can't do something, that's the exact challenge that they like." You know. <laughs> And so Did he actually say dare say? No, I actually added oh, that. Because he, he normally says dare He normally says dare say. But he just, instead of sort of saying we or me, it's the rugby league player. Oh. You know, it's, it's a construct in DC's mind. Sharks will be ambushed <laughs> to me. 
uh, uh, John Morris fell into the trap that everyone else did, which apparently was obsessed about whether T-Rex was playing or not. And he didn't play in the end. Is that right? He warmed up. Yeah, I didn't, didn't play. Yeah, yeah, that was un- masterstroke. Desi Ball one hundred and one masterstroke. The mad professor. And so you're there to bear witness on the final game of Paul Gal Gallon. Oh. What were your emotions as you saw the great man? And and I thought in, in beautiful. And I posted this picture on the fire up Facebook page. Just a big red welt and sort of dried <laughs> blood in the middle of his forehead, as though he'd been shot in the head. Well, and- I'm gonna. I'm gonna- have I got it in here? I'm just going to pull this out of my bag. And I know this is a sort of visual medium. I'm going to put this on the table because the the centrefold of the uh, Rugby League magazine this week. Where is it? Oh, have I taken it out of this one already? Oh, <laughs> look at that. Gal. Hey? Big poster of Paul Gallon, listeners, is right now in the middle of the table, and Chris is speechless. He's so aroused looking at Gal. Well, I'll just say the picture of Gal, he's sort of got the ball tucked under his arm, thong, uh, tongue protruding from the mouth, no intention of passing it, which is pretty much emblematic of Gal. Hey, how many passes has he thrown in his career? Yeah, not many. That would be. About, he's, he's, he's sort of at Ed Med levels. And but no, or Marty seems, Lang. Seems Gal- Marty Lang, a guy who just absolutely accepted his limitations and said, I will never pass the football. It was, um, it was telling in his post match interview. Um, uh, with um, that wasn't Hallatow. It was the other Tigers uh, back rower. You tell me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Probably, with probably not Ryan Madison. No, not Ryan Madison. <laughs> no, the, the 2005 Premiership winner. Oh, Hino, Hino, Hino. Hino's come up and spoken to him and is having a good chat with him and says, "So, yeah, what's your feeling now? You've just, you've just finished your last game. What's your feeling right now?" Oh, I'm just glad it's been over, honestly. You know, I'm done. <laughs> so he, he had no, and this is the beautiful thing about Paul Gallon. He has no pretense. He doesn't have, um, you know, rugby league constructs. He doesn't That's have right. any constructs. It is just straight truth. And he's like, I'm done. I'm glad it's over. Yeah. I've had enough. There's it's no time way, to put it up. There's no way Gal would think he could speak for the rugby league player because no. beyond his own terms of reference, which is himself, he's unaware <laughs> of anything else. <laughs> To compare things to, but he did. He sounded. He sounded pretty happy and relieved. Well, oh. bizar- well, bizarrely, he's he seems to have cemented himself a media career, and yeah. ev- everyone's impressed with his analytical insights. And if there's one, everyone talks about rugby league being a redemption story. You know, people coming back from nasty incidents, etc., yeah. etc. If you don't believe that's true, look at the warmth between Gus Gould. And Paul Gallon on 100% footy every Monday night. It just shows how far for that guy. Because like four years ago, Gus Gould would not refer to Paul Gallon by name. No. He would just go, the number 13, he's gassed, Andrew, he's gassed. And now I think they break, they break bread together. So we, we farewell the Sharks. We yep. farewell the Broncos. No one will miss them. No. Uh, can Manly win the Premiership? No. So we now actually go to the other Saturday game. And to be honest... Bizarrely, because Stephen and I would have been determined to try and minimise the excitement, minimise the, the discussion and so forth. But your game had the most talking points of any on the weekend. And by your game, for those of you who are new to this podcast, Dennis is a fan of the Melbourne... No, sorry, the Canberra Raiders. Yes. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was, uh, it was so much excitement, so much drama, and I think every commentator within the first minute would have said... You can't write this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. Hollywood are going to be following around trying to find this as a script. Well, they say you can't script it, which is bad news for Alex Johnston from South, who's trying to write a, <laughs> who's trying to script it, trying to script yep. it. 
But yeah, the whole you know fireworks in the eye that was the, the amount of drama. But um, the NRL had this stupid, and Andrew Moore was saying it looked like someone had made it in preschool. This arch that they had to run through, run through the arch window today, and smoke came out, and gas came out of the top, and smoke came out of it. And they had and the the fireworks company, Foti International Fireworks. Well, I wasn't going to name them. I was because they well, named themselves in their article. Correct. They they didn't say we or they, they just. You know, they they named themselves. Company name uh, basically washes its hands. Company name has ever had this happen before. Company name wants to point out it's not actually a pyrotechnic, that it is, in fact, a, there's something else. Plastic some, explosive? It wasn't plastic <laughs> explosive. It's, some other, it's like a sparkler. Right. Basically, it's a sparkler. So it, you know, I don't know what the chemicals are, um, but it, it shoots out little sparks, which are supposed to bounce off things, but it got in the eye. And, um, <laughs> and they... they you know, never happened before. We'll be investigating. It's like, yeah, good on you. Um, but then Joey couldn't. He was on the field and he couldn't see. And they're all about to kick off. And suddenly there's just this commotion. And all the sideline eyes from every company are running in. The sideline eyes. That's that's what what Hello. he was looking for. They were looking for the sideline eye. The sideline eyes were on the sideline eye. Um, there were calls, I believe, for Hudson Young to come and see if he could get it out. There was initially that's accusations right. that Hudson Young had, in fact poked him in the eye before the game just because he couldn't help himself. And then they thought, <laughs> well, if, if you <laughs> leopard spots, etc. Um, if you've got something in your eye, well, what are you going to do? You go to Hudson. He um, got it out. Um, but there's all this controversy about the, the NRL process around this. And basically, the NRL stuffed up. It was it was an NRL thing. And they, they, I don't know. My my opinion towards this, what's, what's happened here, is the NRL has made a play at a player's eye. Now, we've heard Brett Finch go off about this. We've heard Brett the Nasty go off about this. It's the worst thing in the world. It's the most heinous crime. It's the lowest act. It's a dog act. It shouldn't be in our game. The NRL has attacked the player's eye and caused actual damage. As such, given the precedence, Josh McGuire, uh, the Burgess, which Burgess was done for eye gouging? George. Tom, George, Paul. George. George. George was... um, Nine weeks. Nine weeks. Hudson Young, eight weeks. The precedent second defence. Second defence. This is their first defence. Five weeks. The NRL should get five weeks. And by the NRL, you mean Greenberg, right? So Greenberg no. has forfeited his right to come no. to the finals. The entire NRL, all the of them. NRL is gone, which means that the Raiders have a week off so that suspension doesn't count. So the following week, NRL's gone. All the other teams are gone. The Raiders come out and they'll take the kickoff. They'll win the toss because there's no one to toss against. They'll take the kickoff. They'll score a try. The opposition won't be able to kick off against them. So they'll sit there for the next 79 and a half minutes and win 6-0. So and this- then in the grand final, no other team can turn up because the whole NRL suspended. Because that's what happens when your eye gouge, when you take someone's eye out, you get suspended for five weeks. So this is what South Sydney did in 1909 to the Balmain Tigers. <laughs> And that is why South Sydney is so hated by any uh, right-minded thinking rugby league fan. And I'm quite happy for that hate to be transferred to the Canberra Raiders. The interesting thing about Leilua is that uh, he could be off to the Bulldogs. But th- there's more written about this incident than the fact that he sort of had career-saving neck surgery about three or four months ago. He said that the boys, as a result of him being able to... Um, resume vision and resume play and throw the little flick pass yep. into Bateman for the winning try, that Jesus is back. Jesus is back. He, the, the boys saw this as akin to a form of religious miracle. That going forward, there are things like we've, we've beatified Mary McKillop, that there's 
every chance oh, wow. that oh. whoever that was, team doctor, trainer, whatever, who went and had to dig Hudson Young style well into Leilua's eye. This is a religious miracle, according to the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, it, it's actually, if, if you do start going into your religious text, I think you'll find that there were, in, in the Old Testament, there were several signs to say, this is how you'll recognize the Messiah. The Messiah can restore sight. The Messiah can heal lepers. The Messiah can raise the dead. Those are the three miracles required to prove the credentials of the Messiah. Well, the fourth one now is getting a rock out of the eye because... But, well, that's blindness. Cure for blindness. Yeah, cure for blindness. the same thing. By the way, and again, the Leilua issue that reared its head on the back of all this is, is he BJ or Joey? The number of people who started referring to BJ again. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> I'm, I'm suspecting it's um, when he's uh, playing well and... and th- I don't know. One of them must be the good one. One's the bad one. One's the one that has brain snaps. And one's the one that... Oh, the bad uh, one's BJ then, definitely. So BJ has brain snaps and drops his knee into people's back. Joey throws flick passes. Oh, and it was beautiful. I've watched that. I was watching it yesterday and I was accused of watching rugby league porn. Yes. And and a couple of people did come in and watch it over and over again. That that pass, that run, that pass, and to to isolate it and watch the Melbourne players when it's happened. And you see, um, who's the, the Wombat? What's the Wombat's name? Not Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith. You see him when the ball is dropped, the look on his face of, you are kidding, do I have to work again? And, and he's standing still. And then he sees BJ running. He's like, oh, hell. Oh, no. And you see him running and running. And then when the pass goes inside and all four Melbourne Storm chases go the wrong way and Bateman goes inside through the most yawning gap that looks like it should be, there had to be an obstruction, but there's no one there. And he walks through the gap and he, the looks on the Melbourne Storm faces, it is the most glorious money shot of all time. Yeah, the game itself was a bit of a snooze fest. 21 penalties. Uh, <laughs> you've got issues with Chotrix, uh, Rapana, uh, likely to be charged. Tarpany's okay, apparently, with well, the early plea. Tarpany uh, gets 90 points for the chicken wing on said Brandon Smith. Um, has anything happened with Rapana? Uh, we'll, we'll find out later today. Uh, two uh, players taken out off the ball and offside positions and... The NRL's already apologised to the Storm, as they always would. No, no, that's the thing. You go through all the lists of times when NRL apologises. They've never had to apologise for the Storm because they don't make mistakes against the Storm. Now, let's let's not... You know, the Raiders did get a penalty for the player being taken out in offside position. Uh, it, when the Storm did it. When the, the Raiders did it to the Storm earlier, and it was... Uh, sorry, the Storm did it to the Raiders, it was penalised. Um, the, the number of times in the last... Ten in the last decade that the Storm have done things which any other team would get penalised for, any other team get binned for, and they haven't. The fact that Billy Slater played in the grand final after the shoulder charge, no one else would have played apart from Billy Slater. They have been so favoured. And, and, and in this medium, I'm happy to say it, and I know that no one's going to slap me down, they have been so favoured. Their length of time they can lie in the ruck is longer than other teams. And this has been measured. It's about it's something like three and a half to four seconds, whereas other teams, after two and a half seconds, they're going to get penalised. The Storm, you, you talk about Smith, the drunken sailor. You talk the the um, what are the, the, the brothers, the Bromwiches. They like having a nap. They, they lie in the ruck and have a nap, and they don't get penalised for it. So to see them finally actually getting penalised and, and, and the referees making mistakes which go against the storm rather than for the storm. Traditionally a mistake, and I think this plays into the psychology of referees, that if you are refereeing a game where the storm on top of the ladder by six points are playing against the Raiders on the bottom of the ladder, six points clear on the bottom, and this sort of thing happens a lot. If you see a, 
a call that may be 50-50, even 60-40, there's no controversy in blowing it in favour of the team that's on top of the ladder because the newspapers aren't going to go, oh, wow, the storm. They only just hung on against the bottom team because of this controversy. They're going to get you a storm with the Raiders, whatever. And you saw that in the paper today. There's three paragraphs about the, <laughs> about the Raiders game. That's it. No one cares. And it's so the storm, ago, Dennis. The storm right. is so accustomed to having the referees call things their way. And they were incensed. They were shocked. They didn't know. They didn't, Will Chambers was sitting there confused going, but, 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 but you always blow. And, and after the game, Cam Smith is there going, have I lost my power? Have I lost my power? Well, it, it was ex- beautiful. It extended to the short kickoff restart with a minute left on the clock where uh, Vunavalu demonstrated athleticism of uh, an absolutely compelling nature only to be called out by the touch judge, which was a capricious and egregious error. And if you look at it carefully, you see that he does the Billy Slater, which has now been taken up by Toby Green. He leads with the studs. As he's jumping up, he's got the front foot out into Whiten's belly. Did you notice that? No one's noticed that. No, so he's doing he's doing the no. storm. He's doing the classic he's as he jumps. He puts the front foot for out. The ball. Toby Green stop. Uh, speaking of Wyden, uh, and it, it wouldn't be uh, an analysis of a Canberra win without us looking at some of the comments of Ricky Stewart. <laughs> Ricky Stewart said, "Jack Whiten, he's the closest thing to Laurie Daly outside of Laurie's sisters." How familiar are you? How familiar? I, I didn't hear that. How familiar uh, are you with the Daly girls uh, and their rugby league ability? I know there's a hell of a lot of them. And I know there's, um, I don't know if this is urban myth or not, but I think there's like, there's, there's half a dozen. Is that right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. Wow. And quite tragically, I think they, they actually lost some kids in a car crash oh, before, that's good. before Laurie was born. Right. And Laurie being the only boy, he was absolutely doted on. So he was, the parents obviously horribly shocked by loss of children. The, the, you know, I haven't had it happen. Apparently it's the most painful thing that can happen in, the, in, in life. Um, so they had the only one boy, so they protected him. He was really mollycoddled. So when the girls would go for a swim in the dam, he wasn't allowed to. The girls were allowed to do be kids, whereas Laurie had to be like he was kept safe. The only time he could express his humanity was on the footy field, either playing AFL or league. So he went nuts. He cut sick on the AFL field. He cut sick on the league field because it's the only time he could right. Be- so, so you know, out of this unfortunate circumstance you describe, it's possible that. Had we lived in another time, and of course the second season of the NRLW kicked off this weekend with wins for the Warriors and the Broncos. There could have been a whole team of Daily Girls. My goodness. We, <laughs> the Junie Diesel, the Daily Diesels. People say they want to, you know, John Howard style, go back to a, a more relaxed and comfortable time. I don't want to go back to a time which would have prevented the future Dailies from playing our great game. Now, Ricky also said that we've got to keep a lid on it. Because it, we've got to keep the, the oh. Raiders out of the Canberra bubble. I was so upset with the Canberra bubble. And we've got to be in our own bubble. So you're a Raiders fan. What is the Canberra bubble? And what is the Raiders bubble distinct from the Canberra bubble, please? Well, I think, I think what, what Ricky is referring to there is that in 1987, when Ricky was just a young Raider, he'd done the, uh, the Wallabies schoolboys tour. He'd toured with the Wallabies, hadn't played a test match, but had played for the Wallabies. Um, in 1987, when Canberra made the grand final... Just making the grand final, that was it. Canberra went off. Canberra went early. Civic parades. Keys handed the city already. Every yeah, Parliament oh, House yeah. was suspended. It, it was. Every every um, you know, action bus, uh, the drivers were given Woodge's jumpers. They, were, they all flew Raiders flags. Everything. All the flagpoles were taken down. With, all the flags taken down and Raiders flags were put up. All the fountains, <laughs> they put deterred, like they put shampoo in the fountain which is you know a schoolboy prank but the government did it and they put green food dye so all the fountains were green bubbles like it was nuts and as a result they um they they went early 
I believe the term is premature celebration. Uh-huh. And it went off. And so Ricky is saying, we are not going to let that happen again. It didn't happen in 89, didn't happen in 90, probably didn't happen in 91. I think they were just bugging. Didn't happen in 94. So he's saying, we're keeping a lid on it. We're going to celebrate after. We'll acknowledge the win. But I think that's the bubble he's talking about because Canberra fans are pretty feral and rabid. And, uh, and, no kidding. And, um, he's, uh, he's just a cranky old bastard. Oh, I love him that, so much. Did you see him? Can, Have you seen the footage of him as Bateman scores? Yes. He's just getting up going, give it to Batty. Go, Batty. Go, Batty. I, I can't, like, I'll overdrive the mic. No matter how far away I go, he was screaming red-faced. And then he sat down and had a sip of water calmly. Can Melbourne win the comp? Can Melbourne win the comp? I don't think they can. Can Canberra win the comp? Stupid question. Well, I don't know. Look at, look and I've got to say, I'm, the, the, my, my fear... There's the true fan. I mean, you're soaring high and you go... The answer is, Dennis, yes, we can. We can. It's a possibility. I think that's all it's I needed It's certainly to a possibility. Why don't you give us a song before we come back and then uh, do the last rights on the South Sydney Rabbitohs? I won't do that one. I'll do another song. I don't want to celebrate too early. Um, so I know we're into the finals, but I thought I'd do a, a season review song for the, the regular season. Anthony and Benny swapped teams before this season had begun at all. Now the Broncos have regrets. The Bulldogs' mad Monday was caught and the telly ran them hard. Then Jared Hayne and Jack DeBellin both had arrests. Then Townsville sacked Ben Barber, Dylan Napa's art films leaked. The Penrith Panthers' sex tape victims hadn't volunteered. Gus Gould left the Panthers, his five-year plan was incomplete. God help me. That was 2019. A six-week origin period, despite Kev's coach whisper, Queensland lost the last two games, and Kevy blamed it on himself. Cam Smith held Bailey's head down, tried to pull his ears off, and Ben Cummins called it rubbish on the face. Sam Burgess pulled Bill Smith's hair, got suspended for a week, but when he smacked Matt Moylan in the head... He got off scot-free. Gallon kicked a field goal the day the Titans won the spoon. God help me. Farrah retired that afternoon. And I can still see Farrah sinking tinnies on the scoreboard at his first last game at Leichhardt in 2016. And I can still hear Farrah Sitting steaming in press conferences After him and JT had a bloody row And can you tell me, Todd, sir About your judiciary And their ranking competence And inconsistency Josh McGuire copped two small fines Hudson Young got 13 weeks God help him that was 2019 And can you tell me, Todd, sir, which teams you'll ditch or relocate? And why the Channel 9 bosses think they can dictate? And why does Gus Gould come and go? Can you tell me what it means? God help me 
That was 2019. Dennis, that season in review takes us to the fact that we are doing a live version of Fire Up, Keepers of the Flame, Factory 11, currently... Uh, Factory 11. October 11, Friday, October the 11th. Currently at the Factory Theatre, but we've sold it out. Can you believe that? You sell out. Does that mean there's going to be like 300 empty seats at the back? Is it going to be <laughs> like a rooster's sellout? Like, well, like, bank, like West bank West sellout yesterday? So we <laughs> need there's to, no more tickets available. That's right. But we need to listen to this space. We might be able to move to a larger venue. And as soon as we do, we'll get the word out through this show, New Fire Up, and our Facebook page because we'd love more people to come along and hear great work like that as we review the 2019 season and we look for who is the person in rugby league who most represents the Fire Up spirit. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited to see who it is as well. There's so many possible candidates. Speaking of the spirit of the game, something Ben Eichen has been looking for, particularly since he had that stoush with your mate Ricky Stewart. Yes. The pride of the league was on full display at the SCG last Friday night. As Oh, the, this was the wonderful Forever in Our Shadow that's right. rivalry, the Book of yeah, Feuds. Yeah, Book of Feuds, dot, 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 as South yep. Sydney were pumped by the Sydney Roosters in the first half and uh, barely fired a shot in anger in the second half. Though at the 64th minute, I think, when Adam Reynolds scored, the South fan sitting immediately behind me yelled out, Comeback begins here, baby! Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Now, I was at the SCG with uh, my Roosters mates and I basically missed the first half because the Boomers were questing for World Cup glory. So we had Professor Dave Taylor, author of the Rugby League Dictionary there, and he brought his iPad, so it rested on my lap as uh, Grove and Taylor and myself <laughs> to, the, I think, the ire of other of our groups, uh, looking at you, Brett Oaten and Dan Keery, as to how we would be sullying their experience by us watching another sport. But it really was, theoretically, the most important game in Australian basketball history, which they lost in double overtime to Spain. Yeah. But I believe the Roosters were very impressive. Uh, yeah, they were. And, I, and I, you asked before, uh, can the Eels win the Premiership? Can the, you know, can the Raiders win the Premiership? And I, I think... It's very hard to go past the Roosters. Like I, I think the Raiders have shown how to beat the Storm. Um, Parramatta, like, I'll be curious to see if Parramatta can beat the Storm, but the Roosters, I was so glad the Raiders won that game because now the only way we play the Roosters is in the grand final. Yes. And I, I can see the Raiders beat, I would hate to meet the Storm in the grand final. That would be the worst possible, having beaten them in the regular season and in the semis then losing the grand final would negate those other wins. They'd be meaningless. I could never watch those videos again because they haven't ended. Whereas if the Raiders lose to the Roosters, I can still watch those videos. Interesting. <laughs> and, of course, all the pundits, myself included, we all said Storm, Roosters, grand final. It can't happen anymore. It can't happen. Isn't that the most wonderful thing? Now, one of the uh, great dramas of rugby league is even in monumental successes, the Roosters reeked on the Rabbits last Friday night. There are problems. There's Boyd Cordner's quad. And did you see, this is, this is the problem with the lack of nanny state, that we need more security in our state because we're not sufficiently regulated, in my view, in Sydney. No, no. As Boyd Cordner went up the stairs into the pavilion, a unruly SCG member gave him a big tap on the rump. On the buttock. Did you see that? Uh, that I believe that's sexual assault. It's unbelievable. Well, not assault. It's, um, uh, the, the, and it's, this elite, you know, the Sydney... Cricket ground members apparently are not subject to the rules like the rest of us. They should have a cage. They should have a Just perspex cage that they roll Absolutely out. Absolutely disgraceful. It, it is unbelievable. And Luke Keery's got a you know dicky ankle or whatever. But most importantly, Jared Warrior Hargraves, which I find very difficult to say. JWH is a lot easier. 
seventy second minute on a tripping charge. Grade one, you can have various grades of trips. Who knew? And he has to contest it because of priors, a la Sam Burgess and the hair pull. Which, by the way, did you hear? Oh yes, is all connected to the Facebook incident where Burgess was potentially the player who was shown to be nuding up on Facebook. Yes, and a friend of Billy Smith's leaked it, and simply by association, Burgess remembers <laughs> and some pulls twelve his hair. months later to pull the kid's hair. Pulls his hair. By the way, Billy Smith uh, scored a late try for the North Sydney Bears not to beat the Newtown Jets as the Jets roll on in the Canterbury Cup yesterday. That same Billy Smith? The same Billy Smith. Not two days later? Not two days later. Wow. Uh, well, no, week, week and a couple of days later. Billy Smith didn't play on Friday uh, night. Yeah, oh, of course not, because his yep. hair was sore from being pulled. <laughs> and I, again, with my Roosters cabal, they were screaming at Robbo to not bring JWH on and the final rotation for this exact reason that he'd do something stupid. Tired, brain snap. And he did. And yeah. so their winning percentage without JWH is not flash. Really? Yeah, less than 50%. Oh, good God. So the Raiders might meet the Storm in the grand final, so, presuming uh, they beat the Bunnies. Be nervous. Now, we might bring Redfern Pat oh. in on this discussion. Redfern Pat, you somehow ended up... Were You You were in the members, weren't you, on Friday night? Yep, there's normally checks and balances to stop people like me getting in, but I am in and I can confirm full strength beer there. And did you... <laughs> pat, were, you it now. were you the buttock patter? Yes. Were you the fan of buttock patter? Pat the buttock patter. I didn't know that, I didn't know that, that was going on. Oh, I would have jumped in for sure. I would have jumped in on that for sure. If you had access to Boyd in that prone position... Would you have gone the slap on the buttock or would you have done something slightly more aggressive? Uh, no, probably more. I'd go head pat if I had to. Right. And wouldn't you just try and see how much, how many fingers you can get into that cleft on his chin? I don't think you'd get Because it's back. huge. You'd put your fingers <laughs> in. You'd <laughs> be lost. Yeah. There'd be fleets of ships in there. There's <laughs> flights of aircraft missing for 50 years. I noticed the other night, uh, the Australians who were defeated in the cricket overnight but have defended the Ashes, so who cares? Yep. Steve Smith has a little bit of a cleft going. I didn't really realise that. You look closely. It's a little Does bit of a cliff there, yeah. So, you, by your own admission, you're on the drink. Oh, yeah, big time. At, so, when, when the game began, where were you? So, sitting down. No, as, as in, in terms <laughs> oh. of your alcohol consumption. So, in other words, if we asked you for an analysis had of the you game right now. Had yeah. you preloaded? Uh, I'd give myself a pretty toasty seven. <laughs> right. So, do you remember, for example, Alex Johnson, future screenwriter, <laughs> failing to secure the first... Yeah, that's my last memory. That's right. <laughs> that's my last memory. So you, you were referencing before not enough security in Nanny State. Mm. Um, after the game, because again, I stayed back a little, <laughs> and after the game, as I was packing up, a gentleman has, has run onto the field. A gentleman, sadly, he was fully clothed in a red shirt and beige pants, um, you know, probably a pair of chinos, and I suspect there was Roosters fan. Williams. Yeah, Roosters fan. Roosters fan. Ran onto the field and didn't didn't arc. Like came on at about the, the southern fifty metre line for the AFL and ran out across the middle of the ground through the northern goalpost, then ran out, and he was running fists in the air going, Yeah, clearly he was you know Long he was elephants as Pat was. And he was fists in the air and by the time he got through the goalpost he started walking. He was buggered. And he just walked back up into the members and walked around. So this is a pitch invasion. This is a five thousand dollar fine and ejection and a two year ban. Not one security guard touched him. No one even noticed. You know why? You obviously weren't looking closely enough. It was Mark Burris. <laughs> And he wouldn't run that quick. So, Pat, the question has to be asked, based on that performance, can the South Sydney Rabbitohs win the Premiership? Absolutely. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Oh, see, you, I miss, well, you clearly did see none I, of the game. I miss having that delusion. This is my problem this year, that I'm more accustomed to that sort of delusion, saying, absolutely, we can we can do this. We can win from 10th place for the first time. We can be the first yeah, team ever. in the top do 10 we, system. Do we, and now I'm sitting there going, we have an actual chance. There's not one in a squillion. Right. And I hate it. Dennis, can South win the Premiership? Yeah, no. <laughs> and the Roosters? Yes. Well, South might Bradbury it. Because you, you know, like we're hard, Roosters can't win without Hargraves. The arse is falling out of Melbourne. I think this Raiders is what choke. So the Raiders will beat Manly. The, don't have a can't put a team on the can field. Can South this beat week. Parramatta? The South Parramatta grand Parramatta. final. Well, isn't that isn't that they're the game on opposite sides of the draw? Oh, they're opposite yeah. sides. So we got Manly and the uh, they they won't be able to put field a yeah. team. And then if South win, they take on your boys. Choke. Yep. Young team in the finals. Oh, yeah. Give us that. Give us Souths in Moose the grand head, final. Mooseheads pouring green beers for the next two weeks. They've already got it. They've already got it. The, uh, the Queen Bean Hotel, all their taps for the beers have been replaced with photos of the Raiders players. They have 13 beers on tap. <laughs> so Bateman so is So that's a bit of a uh, front to Avili. Yeah, number, it is. Number 14. It is. And I can't think... I think Elliot Whitehead gets the cider. Um, and that's the Canberra bubble Ricky's talking about. No, ba- Bateman's a cider. <laughs> Isn't he? No, Bateman's the VB. Okay, good on him. Working man's beer. I can't yeah. stand the stuff myself. <laughs> VB, I don't mind it. Um, I was drinking Carlton yesterday. So to wrap, because we've had a really, really deep dive through the finals this morning and we really appreciate it. And Stephen, you weren't missed. <laughs> Who? Rugby league, as we've noted for some time, is a game built on hate, mm-hmm. but it's defined by failure. 15 sixteenths of the rugby league population following the NRL are doomed to ultimately fail. And so, therefore, misery underpins the whole undertaking. And someone who is affected by misery is miserable, right? Yeah. So you would imagine, in the wake of that really, really outstanding first-half performance, that Rooster Supremo and head coach Trent Robinson would be cock-a-hoop, no pun intended, about his team performance. <laughs> he gives a press conference and he goes, well, first of all, you think 30-6, to six, well, that's pretty good. I think it's the first time we've actually given a score on this show. And he goes, but I actually thought, hang on, we're on for 50 nil here. We should have been 50 nil. And at the end of the press conference, he's incensed that the Roosters have failed to win 50 nil. And Ricky Stewart style, he's turned a massive positive into a Canberra bubble negative. And that, to me, speaks volumes for rugby league. <laughs> and even only the most desperate Rabbitohs fan, there was, there was bets going on in the back corridors going, will Benny say, well, at least we won the second half? <laughs> I was um, I'm a big stats guy and I no. and I got to the uh, I got to the line at the bar at half time and I was like ah oh, 16 nils okay so I was like it's 26 nil I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> drink responsibly everybody Fire. 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 Fire.